Hey everybody, this is Greg, and before we get started with the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors. The first is a company that is very close to my heart, Dominar Studios. They're the makers of the Cloud Agent Suite. Their flagship product, Cloud CMA, is used by over 500,000 real estate professionals all across the country, and their customers have published over 15 million Cloud CMA reports. Also check out CloudMLX, their front-end-of-choice solution, which won Inman News' Most Innovative Technology Award and has crossed over 200,000 MLS members under site license. You can find out more at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm excited to announce the Notorious VIP, a premium subscription service from Rob Hahn, also known as the Notorious ROB. Membership gives you subscriber-only content, both written and recorded, that is unavailable anywhere else. The difference between the Notorious ROB blog and the Notorious VIP is that VIP focuses on research and analysis, while the ROB blog focuses on commentary and op-ed. Notorious VIP is for those in organized real estate that want to go a few layers deeper. Please visit Notorious-ROB.com to find out more. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Industry Relations, the not-so-regular podcast that uh, I, your host, Rob Hahn, uh, do with my co-host, Greg Robertson, who is the other line. Greg, are you there? Hola, Rob. Hola, Greg. <laughs> you went with the normal. That's actually good. All right. <laughs> like, how the hell are you, man? I'm good, and I'm tired of this shit, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? By this shit, you mean... Just, you know, lockdown. <laughs> That's right. Because yeah. we're both uh, we're both in lockdown states. Yeah. I mean, it's freeing up a bit. I mean, they're letting uh, restaurants open for indoors now, yeah. it seems. So there's yeah. a little bit of movement. But I just, I fear that's just going to cause everything to spike up. So it's just, uh, you know. All right. Well, you know, as long as we are all comfortable with the future in which the only restaurants are Olive Garden, Burger King, and uh, Chick-fil-A, I think uh, it's, it's all right. You know? <laughs> Dude, there's a study, like Yelp just came out with a, a follow-up, you know, saying like 60% of restaurants are permanently closed. So yeah. I'm like, all right, that's the future. Well, it's that been, I mean, future. I remember seeing all the entrepreneur studies about like the likelihood a restaurant, starting a new restaurant is going to actually make it is like, you know, below 5%, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a risky business to start off with for sure. Correct. And you need 75% uh, capacity to, you know, make money. And obviously no one can do that. So, yeah. What boggles my mind though, is that the same Yelp study talked about food trucks hmm. going out of business. I'm like, if there's one type of restaurant that I would think would be immune would be food trucks, right? Well, a lot of times food trucks go to like offices, you know, for the breaks or something. If there's no oh. in the office, right? Oh, yeah. Good point. And that, that's how it happens in California. I mean, I know there's a food truck scene where like in Portland, they go into a square or, yeah. Yeah. you know, they show up some places where you rent them. But I mean, I mean, here in Southern California, you know, it's always, you know, they always pull up in the back of the building and you get like a, a breakfast burrito, right? Yeah. But I remind, you know, I wonder if there's like, the issue is zoning or or HOA rules or stuff. Do you remember the ice cream trucks when we were little? Yeah, of course. Like, can we do that with like tacos and burritos and food trucks? Dude, I got a I got an insane business idea for that. 
Okay. Okay. You know, just to can we go a little bit off off topic yeah. here? It's it's our podcast. I All mean, right. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. We, I know we don't really talk about real estate, and I promise we will. But you know, so I, I thought of this. It's be kind of a franchise, right? So if you and and this is obviously pre-COVID kind of um, times, but. So if you look around, like there's a lot of events where like, you know, when the new iPhone would come out or a new movie would come out when people would just, you know, line up for days or, you know, those kind of uh, places where people are just, you know, waiting in line. So I think you get this thing, uh, you know, a little uh, roll up cart okay. and you make a bunch of burritos and you put them in there to get heated. And then when those kind of events start to pop up, you kind of just, you know, mobilize and head out there. Okay. And just hit those lines with as as many uh, burritos you can. I even got a name for it. It's called Burrito Q. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I don't know about I don't know how it is in Southern California, but here in Vegas, I could tell you right now, Burrito Q could have a booming business every single day going to the DMV. Yeah, no, but that's another great idea. I mean, right? another any place that's got a line. Yeah, any any place with a Q. Yeah. Burrito Q. All right. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. So any uh, food truck uh, operators who are listening, just remember you you owe Greg a, a royalty payment of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> so on to real estate, our fascinating, awesome industry of real estate. Absolutely. What's the been happening? There's, there's been a big, big uh, transaction in the news. I feel yeah. like we got to address it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I guess the the formal name for it is a SPAC, or That's another right. thing I've heard is a blank check company. I yep. wish I, I had I had when I first read that I'm like, what the hell does that yeah. mean? But um, yeah. maybe you can describe what that means better than sure. I can. Sure, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. It's essentially a company that goes public with no business, right? Specifically for the purpose of acquiring companies. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually kind of clever, you know, because normally if, if you want to go public, right, you you need to, you know, have a business <laughs> that people invested. But I gather, you know, there's no law, there's no, you know, rule that says, hey, if you're a investor, you want to put money into a company with no business whatsoever, that's your money, right? So you go public, you offer a bunch of stock, you raise a bunch of money, but and your business is once we've raised this money, we're gonna go acquire an actual like functioning companies. So uh it's a way of kind of going public without having to go public. Yeah, the road shows and yeah. all the other things like yeah. that. And I guess from what I – it's a little bit of a cult of personality where the, what really makes it work is that the person who's in charge of that SPAC has got to be a name enough either maybe even a celebrity name or, yeah. or a celebrity at least in finance or has, yeah. has got a track record. Correct. The track can, record is probably more important. Yeah. 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 That, that people will go, okay – I trust that this guy can pick winners. That's right. Right. That's and right. that's that's what makes it work. Because if, if you had just had a bunch of Yahoo saying, we're going to go you know, yeah. pick you know, whatever we have, it's probably not as uh, as powerful. No, probably not. And uh, yeah, it's, in this case, it's a um, large venture capital fund called Social Capital, which is owned and operated by exactly that celebrity sort of investor. Yeah. Right? I could never pronounce this last name. I know. Name. I was, we should have practiced that before we got on here. <laughs> I know, really. It's Chamath. Chamath P. I know it starts with P. Yeah. But uh, he's a former, he's like one of the first, like earliest executives of Facebook. What's interesting is, I don't know if you, did you watch the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma? 
No, I haven't yet. No, somebody told me. Somebody else recommended that. Yeah, that. it's 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 gaining traction because you know it's talking about how social media is poison and manipulates us, and it's it's you know it's fascinating. But Chamath actually appears in it quite a lot because he was he was one of the pioneers of A/B testing, hmm. right? Among other things. So this guy's you know freaking brilliant. He's legit. And then after Facebook, he went on did a bunch of things, and one of the things he did was start a very uh, successful venture fund. And they bought Virgin Galactic. I think their big success story so far was Slack. And now it's Open Door. So they have acquired Open Door. You call it a merger, but it's basically an acquisition. And because it was a SPAC, a publicly traded SPAC uh, that did it, Open Door is now a public company, which excites the hell out of me because now I can see all their numbers and listen to their earnings calls. I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. So that is the big news. Is valued at like five billion. Yeah, which I think is really good for uh, for Open Door, all their executives, for SoftBank, I guess, like all their existing investors. Who I'm sure they couldn't get their money out, but at least they got the valuation. Right? Yeah. So yeah, good news. Big big deal. Yeah, big that, deal. and I know you and I both listened to the investor call, and yep. um, I've always liked the company. Yeah, and uh, they are definitely you know. The first movers in this kind of space of oh uh, yeah if you if you just don't count like you know the old uh, if we don't sell your home we'll buy it kind of yeah. thing back <laughs> in the day right yeah no I mean <laughs> I think Open Door they absolutely pioneered the whole uh, market maker iBuyer space uh, they pioneered iBuying as a whole concept the guy who sort of came over the Keith Rabois you know um, mm-hmm. he's not the CEO but he's he's essentially the power behind the throne uh, there's been articles, and I wrote about this back in 2014 when Open Door came out. That Rabois has been talking about this for like 11 years, right? right? You know, so since like early 2000s, you know, when he was buying or selling houses in Silicon Valley and just getting frustrated. So yeah, no, I think you know I've been sort of critical of Open Door recently because I felt like some of their pivots didn't make a whole lot of sense, and I thought they were in some some financial trouble. But obviously, now with social capital stepping in, all that's gone, and now they can get back to business. Yeah, know, and I probably should disclose that my company, uh, WNR Studios, has a relationship with Open Door in regard to an interface with uh, them and, and Cloud. Oh, that's CMA. right. Yeah. That's right. Because you have that. Um, what, what do you call it? Uh, I Buyer Connect. I Buyer Connect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's smart. But the thing so, about me, with what I love about this is that, and I've been writing about like you for this a while, but from the from the angle of these two giants uh, of in the space being Open Door and Zillow, and in a blog post and interview that Ben Thompson of Stratechery did with Richard Barton, Rich mm-hmm. Barton from Zillow, he actually credits uh, Ben uh, when he was writing about Open Door that Zillow at one end just seemed to be a media company, but Open Door was really doing something substantial and really disruptive, yeah. and that really was one of the motivations that brought Rich back and his whole pivot over at Zillow. Yeah. Um so it is it's it's fascinating for me to you know to see these two guys, these two companies now you know going to be at, at a, not equal footing because you know there's every both of those companies have their own strengths and I can talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what that competition is going to mean for consumers because mm-hmm. you know it's just great when you have two giant companies or three giant companies who are all vying for the same 
prize yeah and what they'll do to kind of win that prize and it's just the consumer always wins at the end of course no and it's 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 wonderful news to me that open door is back and i've written a couple of posts both in vip because you know yeah <laughs> because i actually had to do work is uh what I love is, in particular, is that this isn't just any company that sort of backed them, right? I think Social Capital oh, is yeah. actually the right company here because if you look at some of the stuff that Social Capital has put out, you know, sort of their investment philosophy, their whole thesis, and how they see the world, you know, it's pretty clear that these guys aren't after just making money, right? Like, they, yeah, sure, they would love to make billions. They would love to make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And they've been very successful financially, but it's not kind of what drives them. I think what drives them is social change, hence the name, right? Social capital. And it's fascinating. If You should actually, if you haven't done it yet, I think their investor letter or some, some sort of like public open letter from social capital, from Chamath uh, P is out there. And it's fascinating to kind of read what he thinks is happening. He sort of feels like we're in like the pre-progressive age of the 1920s, right? Mm. You know, that we have like these robber barons, these giant tech companies, massive change because of internet and social media and all these things. And he thinks we're going to go through this fundamental change of society. So he's kind of betting on that. He wants to help drive that, right? So, Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's just super smart from open doors perspective because you know one thing that is coming out of here and this reminds me of a couple things actually but one thing that's coming out of this covid era we're in right now is there's this definitely a vibe and really you can have things that point to how it's really real that real estate is i mean i hate to put it this way but kind of one of the big winners here no right? there's no question and yeah. and i think it's we were all really nervous in the beginning here but it's just it's starting to show that you know real estate and so anything that involves and then if you go into a little deeper level of of open doors model and what zillow's doing is you know this whole touch free transaction in a sense right sure. it's, that just falls into the kind of covid narrative right so and it's like it's not so un, it's not so hard to understand for people i think when you go out to the market and say we let you buy houses with the click of a button now of mm-hmm. course Tons of asterisks, right? But that that kind of concept of like nobody coming through your house and it's quick, people get that and they say, you know what? And and now, just like everybody says, what's COVID has done is not like it's not like really started any new thing. It's just accelerated trends that were already happening, That's, right? Yeah. And an open door is definitely, I think, going to be at the right place at the right time to be able to kind of take advantage of all those things. Real estate's hot this kind of COVID fear of people walking through your homes, right? And then you got this rock star investor that basically is the Pope and just get and just just sprung the holy water on him and said, Dominus Ominous, you guys are it, right? Sure. Um, so a lot of a lot of things going on there. And then sure. to me it's also just part of this trend that I talk about where, you know, it's um and and we've talked about this in the podcast before where, you know, one of the former heads of marketing over at Netflix was saying back in the day, you know, the goal is for Netflix to become HBO before HBO becomes Netflix, right? Sure. And and to me, that's what's the narrative that's going on with Zillow and Open Door, where Zillow is trying to turn into you know house buying company, right? This i buying company mm-hmm. as fast as they can, right? And and Open Door now, and and they have a lot of advantages. They got a portal that you know millions and millions and millions of people go visit every month, right? 
But Open Door, by starting this back in 2014, has this operational excellence that helps them out in doing that core business of iBuying, which is not a you know easy thing to kind of master, right? And this step of them going public is just another way of Open Door trying to become Zillow before Zillow becomes them, because now they have access to this capital mm-hmm. that they didn't before, and uh, it's only going to help them in their efforts, right? So mm. what we have is to me is Zillow's got the big advantage with you know a lot of people coming to their website right and open door has this operational expertise um, and we, as we saw let me let me just say Netflix and, and uh, HBO just as uh, another example here you know the whole rollout of HBO Max was a fucking disaster mm-hmm. right it was HBO go now they couldn't kind of explain it so so it's not easy to become the other guy, right? There's a lot of execution that you have to do very, very well to do that, right? So while I think Zillow definitely has a big advantage, Open Door right now, I think, absolutely does as well. I guess we'll find out is how I look at it, right? Right. Because what's great about them going public is that now they have to talk about their performance. You know, before we can only speculate. I've been trying for years. I think I've done a pretty decent job just looking at like Phoenix numbers and just trying to draw some conclusion from the data, so on. But now Open Door actually has to tell us. The thing that I'm most curious about is that second piece. You know, so here, look, let's let me take a step back. Because I've written two posts about this now and both in my VIP section of my site. But I'll just kind of go over the the high level for our audience, because you know, we should reward them for their attention. Special. Like, first of all, the the traffic thing is not a small deal, right? It's a massive deal. We're talking about like, and this is according to a site called SimilarWeb.com. So I don't know, you know, whether you think that's valid, viable, whatever, but it's it's a source. And what they're saying is Zillow has 290 million monthly visits. Opendoor has 640,000, right? So we're not talking like, you know, 60 million versus 290 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Zillow like, is, a, is a real estate porn site. Okay, what's your point? Yeah, right. So number one is customer CAC, right? CAC, consumer acquisition cost. Like that matters. In other words, all Zillow has to do is throw that, you know, request and offer on every single one of their sold listings, which is what they've done, right? So if you go on Zillow right now, you look for a home, and if it's not an active inventory, then you get this button that says like, are you the homeowner? Request an offer. Right? Yeah, in the markets that are live in, yeah. Correct. In the markets that are live in, right. Open Door actually has to spend money on marketing. They actually have to spend money on getting people to say, hey, I want a bit from you. It's going to take a while. Yeah. I mean, that's really going to take a while. And in terms of, you know, the Netflix becoming HBO, HBO becoming Netflix, I, I completely agree. I mean, these guys are converging. But man, the, the hardest thing to do, the most expensive thing to do today has to be growing a consumer audience, right? Like no matter who you are, whether you're Facebook, whether you're like whoever you are, just growing your web traffic, growing that consumer audience, you know, to parallel or get close to the other guy, that has to be the most expensive, most costly, most time-consuming thing that any company anywhere can do, you know? Absolutely. So that's a big challenge. On the flip side, the thing that I'm most curious about is what you said, which is the operational excellence piece. Because you're right. I think there's no question that Open Door was the leader and had an operational excellence lead over Zillow just because they've been doing it longer. Some of the data that I've got that I've spent a bunch of time and 
energy trying to pull together. And again, my data could be wrong, right? Because Open Door is a private company. We're talking about I buying stuff, which they're not all in the MLS, right? But even with that said, the data that I've got is showing that Open Door backed away from I buying in September of last year. Their purchases really plummeted. So let's see, September, Open Door purchases dropped by 5%. And this is after year over year. So in July of 19, they were up 83% year over year. August, up 42%. September, down 5%. October, down 43%. So they've really been backing off in September of last year. So this is long before COVID. This is long before any of that. Their sales similarly dropped off in February, in January, February of this year, before COVID. So something's been going on with Open Door anyway. Well, I think some of that has to do with just the inventory itself, right? The market itself. I mean, no, um, it it doesn't because at the same time Zillow's up like triple digits, right? So in other words, September of 2019, when Open Door was down five percent year over year, Zillow's up 113 percent. Yeah, but but that four hundred thirty-six percent. Yeah, when you're starting at one home, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and you go go to forty homes, I mean, yeah, that that percentage looks great, right? Hold on, let's let's look. I mean, the remembers that I remember was that in two thousand nineteen, sure, they generated about five billion in revenue, and they it was about, I think it was eighteen thousand homes, is what I remember, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a substantial. No, it's absolutely yeah. substantial. And yeah. again, if you look at the numbers, if you look at overall, there's no question that Opendoor had a giant lead over Zillow. Giant. I mean, it wasn't close, right? All I'm saying is, is starting in like sort of late 2019, especially as Zillow's ramping up, the situation is not flipped. Zillow's now in the lead in terms of raw numbers, not percentage gains. Like Zillow buys and sells more homes today than Opendoor does. And that's been the case going back to I want to say, let me look at this data here. January of this year. Yeah. Right. So, and, and can I put my little spin on that? I mean, and again, I think people. Well, before you do, so let me finish the thought on this. My issue is this we are now in September of 2020, right? So, if Open Door has been backing off for a year, a year is an eternity, right? Especially in sort of this tech, you know, enabled, super fast type of space, right? And then the final thing that I'll connect to that is, again, this is not evidence. This is just one anecdote from one broker that I spoke to in an open door market, a mature open door market. Okay, And what he told me was, open doors properties, their, their houses that they're trying to sell, look abandoned. As in the grass is like it hasn't been maintained that well. You know, you walk into the house and it's just like it smells bad. I mean, it's like he was like, they haven't really been doing the upkeep. And what that suggests to me is open door for whatever reason, and I think it actually has to do with uh, SoftBank, right? September, we work SoftBank. That's my theory forever. They haven't really kind of maintained that growth engine, that operational excellence piece for a year. So now today, they're actually behind Zillow and now they have to catch up. That's a different strategic position that they're in. Now, it doesn't mean that they won't catch back up. I mean, these guys clearly know what the hell they're doing. They've done it before. This is a short-term blip, not of their own making. I think this is really important. It isn't as if Open Door was mismanaged. It isn't as if they did something to screw up. This was like neither of the things, you know, we were collapsing, which then led to SoftBank, you know, collapsing, not collapsing, but you know what I mean, it's pulling back. And then COVID, like none of these things are Open Door's fault, right? So 
it isn't as if they can't get right back in the swing of things. And maybe with now going public, additional capital, they'll be able to do that. Nonetheless, to me, it's kind of like an athlete with an injury. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not your fault that you're a top running back, you, you hurt your knee, and you have to go on IR for nine months, right. you know, or, or whatever, right? Or nine weeks, and you come back. There's always going to be that question, okay, it's not your fault. You're a great running back, right? You were setting records before you got hurt, but you did get hurt, and you were on the bench for nine weeks. Are you going to be as good when you come back? That, to me, is like the big question mark now for Open Door. All right, so continue. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would, you know, maybe we should have checked to make sure we have all the correct numbers here, right? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it, at, that's right? going to be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I think we can... We know the number from Open Door now. Right. Um, Zillow is a public company. Right. Right. So I think we could probably find that out, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we, can, we can see how both Zillow and Open Door performed. I think, you know, Open Door probably did five times, six times as many homes in 2019. In whether or not, 2019, yes. Whether or not. I mean, 2020 is a freaking dumpster fire. So we can, you know, talk about that. But let, let me talk about op- operational excellence here for a second. Yeah. You know these, and th- and this is something Eric said in his in the remarks, and I've I've talked about it before. Is they have a saying there, and that's they eat bibs for breakfast, meaning they eat basis points for breakfast every day. Meaning the margins in an eye buying business are so razor thin, mm-hmm. you have to really run your company and watch every single transaction almost to make it viable, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's how they were built. That's that's how they grew up. That's how they were raised, Mm -hmm. right? In that type of environment. Zillow was not raised in that environment, right? Zillow was all about get big fast, right? So they might have enough money to to pay to learn these lessons that Open Door didn't, but I'm not sure that they, you know, it's going to be very hard for them to change their corporate culture Um, to to one of bits for breakfast. Now, none mm -hmm. of the companies are talking about and again, this is clear on Open Door's kind of investment call, and it's clear on Zillow's call, is that what they want to do is increase you know, other kind of ancillary services to add to that profit so that those mm-hmm. margins aren't as razor thin, right? So they can get right. you know, conversions on mortgages, conversions on title. And it seems like basic, right. based upon the call, Open Door was really getting good at attaching oh, some title to those things, 83%. right? So, yeah, 83%. Yeah. 83% of touch rate, which is yeah. insane. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Great. That's great. So, yeah. so to me, I still think when you see these blips, maybe that they're coming up and down, I think it is about their operational, the way that they view things operationally and, and that insane focus to margin that they have to look at, right? So, but see, I don't, I don't, there's I don't a flip see- side to this, right? Greg, there's a flip side to this, which is, okay, you're right. I will concede that Zillow's never been a, you know, let's uh, really focus on our margins type of company because they've never had to be, right? Right. On the flip side, Zillow has revenue lines that Open Door can't touch. Zillow's going to make $2 billion from Premier Agent this year, right? That they're on track to do $2 billion. <laughs> $2 billion with a B. Yeah, yeah. You know, the first two quarters, Zillow's just killing it on, in IMT. So one of the things that, you know, that uh, iBuying market making throws off are seller leads. How's Open Door going to monetize those? Versus Zillow's got a built-in system. They haven't turned it on fully yet, but in the last earnings call, you know, Rich kind of hinted that they might be. So 
in a real way, you're right. It's about bibs and it's about competition. The issue is there are no anti-dumping rules, right, in real estate. In other words, if Zillow says, you know what, let's just take market share. We're willing to lose money on every iBuyer transaction because we're going to make it back on selling seller leads through IMT. Because the thing about ancillary revenues, that affects both of them. In other words, if Open Door can get 83% attach rates on title and, and escrow on its deals, Zillow has Zillow closing services. They'll get 83% on their attached deals. Right? I don't see any reason why those would be different. Same thing with mortgage, same thing with home insurance, home warranty, whatever. Anything that Open Door can do on the ancillary side, so can Zillow. So that's even, right? That washes out. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, again, because it's exactly what I was talking about. What? It's execution. You can't just say, just because one company can do something, the other company can't. Uh, I apologize. You're right. You're right. No, it is execution. I apologize. What I mean of is there's nothing is. Yeah. strategically, there's nothing structurally that says that is a structural advantage that Open Door enjoys. Right. But that goes, again, right. you're going back to my entire point, right? I can say operational excellence, and maybe maybe the better word to use is execution, right? Maybe. Oh boy. So okay. So let me get this straight. What you're saying is that Open Door is better at executing than Zillow. I buying. No, but that's a very specific. That's what I mean. I agree. Open Door has a track record of being better at executing the core market making business: buy low, sell high. Right. That doesn't mean that they somehow have an operational advantage over Zillow in terms of attaching title and escrow, does it? I see what you're kind you of those saying? are those are later things that have come Correct. out there, Correct. right? So all, oh yeah, all yeah. I'm saying is in terms we, of the it, ancillary it's yet stuff, to be it's yet to be exactly. proven exactly. who's who's got operational excellence there. Exactly. Right? That's all so I'm just saying so just leave the ancillary to the side because I feel like both companies neither have, have proven any sort of operational excellence in that field. We'll see how they do going forward. And you're right. If if Open Door is better at doing that, so if they're doing title and escrow attach rates at 83%, but Zillow can only get to 20%, then yeah, Open Door is going to win, right? That's just a straight execution issue there. I'm just pointing out that neither of them have a track record there. Now, I'll agree with you that Open Door is better at Zillow. I don't know that the numbers prove this out, but for the sake of discussion, let's just say they're Open Door because they eat bips for breakfast. They're going to be better at squeezing out margins on the core business of buying homes, maintaining it, renovating it, and selling it. Let's let's just say that is true. Okay. All I'm suggesting is two things. Number one, structurally, because this is now has nothing to do with operations. This is a structural disadvantage. Number one, open door has to spend money on marketing, where Zillow does not. The customer acquisition costing is real. So their margins are going to get pressure that Zillow's does not. Number one. Number two. Open Door does not have a built-in outlet for selling seller leads, monetizing seller leads that Zillow already does. Open Door could build it, right? Because they're a brokerage, so they'll just go and say, "Hey, we're going to refer a bunch of seller leads to you guys, and you guys are going to give us a referral." They could build it, but it's going to take time. And then the issue is, Open Door has no track record of selling leads, right? <laughs> that Zillow does have a track record in. Do you see what I'm saying? So, to me. It could take years before Open Door gets caught up. So to me, what I suspect is going to happen is social capital is going to have to make another acquisition. I don't see a, a strategic way around this. I think social capital, the SPAC, I think they're going to have to look at buying either Redfin or Realtor.com. I don't see another way. Do you? Well, those are still, I mean, um, pretty distant seconds, right? 
but um, at least it's close. In other words, at least now we're talking about tens of millions of monthly visitors, not six hundred forty thousand. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. And I'm trying to remember back to the numbers, but this is not a situation where you need to get fifty percent of the home sales in the country, right? This no, is, no, 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 no. I mean, they, they could, no, no, no. Let me clarify why I'm saying this. Open Door has to get its customer cost acquisition down. It has to, right? Because that money has to come out of somewhere. If Open Door has to go do a postcard campaign, that costs money. If Open Door has to run TV ads or radio or whatever or online ads, that stuff costs money. It's money that Zillow does not have to spend. So if we're really talking about BIPs, we're talking about half a percentage point, a quarter of a percentage point. Those things add up in a big way. Which means that Open Door has to figure out how to drive its customer acquisition costs down, and the only way that they can do that effectively is to have their own portal. It doesn't have to be competitive, you know. It doesn't have to be like, you know, beating Zillow. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they have to have tens of millions of impressions so they could drive their CAC down, so that then the operational excellence that they've got kicks in. Otherwise, yeah. if you have to go spend money, and that's one or two percentage points on their margins. Then Zillow just goes fine. We're just going to lose 500 bits on every deal because Open Door can't compete with us on that basis. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm not ready to say that having a portal is the only strategy, only way they have of acquiring customers, right? So I don't know if, if that's the only way of doing things. I mean, it's definitely a way, and maybe it should be part of their strategy. Right. We'll have to see there. We'll, we'll have to see. To see. No, sure. you're right. And so, but the issue then becomes the alternative ways, and this is, I think, where we ought to turn this conversation, right? The alternative ways all involve working with the industry in some way. Right. For example, working with WNR Studios, right? On iBuyer Connect. Right. You know, working with Zavi, you know, working with Offer Barn, working with, you know, some of these guys and going to the industry, the brokers and agents to say, you know what, send us your business, send us your sellers who are in a particular situation. And so far, from what I can tell, all of those have required paying them the listings, right? Now, who knows whether this is going to be the case going forward, post-social capital acquisition. But before that, we know before COVID, before any of this, Open Door would say, if you bring us a listing, if you bring us a property, we'll pay you 1%. Yeah. Right? That was kind of the standard. That's still there. Yeah. But 1% of the purchase price, that's a big chunk of change when you're eating BIPs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That's a big chunk of change if you're looking at like you know, 0.1% you no, know, it, for the margin it, stuff. The buyer compensation is is their big – I think they said it in the call is that's the one of the biggest things they have there, right? That's right. their biggest cost. Right. But that's buyer. That's buyer agent compensation. We're talking about listing agent compensation. Yeah. In other words, an agent brings me a property because their seller's uh, in a real rush. You know, We got to pay them 1%. Like That's a big cost that Zillow does not have, right? So what other – alternatives are there where open door could you know see a flow of leads and in leads in this case would be simply homeowners saying hey i want an offer from you i don't know how that works out and that now affects the industry right. so the question is this what do you think is the impact of this on the industry as a whole well again going back to what you said about what social capital's goal is and they want things that are going to make a big impact in the culture, in the country, right? So, and this has been part of Open Doors kind of unspoke, well, I guess they speak about it, but part of the thing about making it easier to buy and sell a house is mobility, 
right? If that's mm-hmm. if it's not so hard to buy and sell, why maybe they can lessen the time from I think it was at seven. Now it's closer to nine. Mm-hmm. You know, years you're in a home, and that you know makes a, a, a more robust market, a more a higher turnover market for for people. Right. Um, it gives them the ability maybe to move to different places than that that they they thought they could move before, and that's definitely again playing into this whole thing of the suburbanization of and the the you know the fleeing of of cities that you kind of which is probably overblown, but that you keep reading and, and, and seeing in the media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of things could be affected if these kind of this technology, these companies are successful in what they're doing, right? Yeah, is they can give people the ability more to do that uh, than they have now because the friction is just too much. Yeah, no, and I think that's one thesis. The other one, though, that does not get enough attention. If you looked at their uh, presentation, uh, and by the way, if anybody listening. All of this is online. I go to Open Doors uh, Investor Relations website. You could get their presentation. The recording is online. You could access it. Uh, if you're super interested, I would urge you to do that. But specifically, I'm going to point to slide number 10, right? Where Eric Wu talks about how the process is complex or uncertain, time consuming, and offline. Do you remember this part? Where it's slide 10. So during the presentation, where he talked about 89% of buyers and sellers use an agent. And then goes through what the experience is like, right? right? And it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven steps. Right? Yeah. No, they, they showed like a flow chart, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That slide. You know, I, yeah. I wish this was on videos. So I could just throw it up. But the thing is, he puts in this box on the side where he talks about the transaction costs as much as twelve percent of the transaction. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And the biggest chunk of that, by far, is broker commissions. Yeah. By far. I mean, it's not even close. So out of the total cost, according to his presentation, of 29630 commissions are 13750 right? And everything else, seller concession, closing costs, renovation, repairs, blah, 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 moving costs, staging, home warranty, right? I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this going, okay, Open Door is not a discount broker, right? They're not Redfin that started out, you know, saying commissions are too high. You know, they're not homie. They're not Rex. You know, they're not these guys. But don't you feel like their heart's in kind of the same place? In other words, if we are going to drive more mobility, isn't a part of that to drive the transaction cost down from 12% to something far lower so that people would more easily buy and sell and move? Doesn't that have to be part of the conversation? No, I think, I mean, they, they, they said as much as that when, they, when their fees were higher, you know, they got lower traction, but they, when they lower their fees, they got more traction. I think that was part of their presentation as well. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, it's, I was on a podcast yesterday talking about this and what was the head of Uber saying, you know, what's, what's the problem with Uber's business model? It's the drivers, right? Mm. I mean, in one regard, but I also know some other things, right? So yeah. I know that there are a lot of sellers out there that will not only pay the, op- they want the convenience and certainty and speed of an open door transaction, but they're still paying an agent with them. Sure. Out of their own pocket because they sure. still want that handhold, right? So absolutely. Yeah. I think one does not have to happen in a place where both one of those guys has to go away. Sometimes yeah. they will go away, right? Yeah. But not every transaction, not every seller cares about speed and certainty, right? Some sellers mm. want their net worth. They they want a net worth. 
They want to net as much out of that as possible. Right? So they'll be willing to wait. They'll be willing to do a traditional to get the most out of their house. But some, they want out. They want out now. They don't want to deal with open houses. They don't want to deal with people walking through their home, of them having to leave. They've got dogs. They, they, they'll pay for that certain inconvenience, right? But not everybody's like that. I mean, for sure, not everybody's like that. No. So let, let's, let's actually be specific about it because I think this is important. What everyone would like, and I mean this, every single seller would like the most money tomorrow with no inconvenience. They're willing to wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? They're willing well, to yeah. wait because they think that that's the cost of getting the most money. Yeah. <laughs> and in some cases, they're willing to say, you know, I'll take less money because I'm in a hurry. Yeah. But every consumer wants the most money tomorrow with, with zero hassles, right? I mean, everybody does want that. But the bigger point I think I have is this. Fine. No, I agree with you. today. Consumers are willing to use Open Door Zillow and still pay an agent full commission because they want the handholding. I don't know that that drives mobility, though. In other words, is that same consumer going to do it again three years from now if the cost is really 12%? I don't think so. In other words, today's environment where you're moving every seven to nine years and it's a big hassle. And look, I, I want less hassle, so I'll pay open door and its fee. But I also want like you know a really great agent to assist me and advise me because it's a big fucking deal. And human nature says that I need someone to approve of my big fucking decisions. So I'm willing to pay someone to do that. But it is expensive. So I'm not going to do it every other year. I'm only going to do it every seven to nine years. Do you know what I'm saying? In order to increase mobility, I feel like that cost has to go down. Yeah. I mean, two things this is reminding me of. It's like that old, that, that sign you see in some dan- diners, right? It's like quality, speed, or price. Pick, you know, pick two. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, there's yeah. that, right? Yeah. But the other part is like, I think what we fall in a trap of is we, we think of things the way they are now. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you get these companies, if you get open doors, that get some really great attachment rates, Mm-hmm. Right, maybe that agent commission, you know, is not going to be such a big part of the pie. Maybe later on. Well, no, no, no. Let's rethink. Think about it differently. So, looking at their slide, right? They're saying it's going to cost a homeowner thirty thousand dollars to sell a house, thirty grand. Okay, again, it's made up of all these different things. Now, open door. Could capture more of the uh, the the title money. They could capture more of the mortgage. They could capture so open doors revenues. You know, will will be stabilized. All I'm saying is, if the premise of iBuyer and of this market making is that it's going to change the world because it's going to drive mobility, people are going to be willing to buy and sell more often. People aren't going to do that if it's going to cost thirty grand every time I sell a house. Don't you think? So think of it differently today. Roughly, we do about you know anywhere between five and five and a half million homes are sold in the U.S. Right, according to NAR, and it generates something in their neighborhood of sixty to eighty billion in commissions. All I'm asking is, all right, I buyer comes along, we have more mobility. Say we go to ten million transactions, right? Yeah, it's crazy, does that mean we're yeah. going to go to one hundred and twenty to one hundred sixty billion in commissions? Like, or does going to ten million transactions mean we still have to stay at sixty to eighty billion? You know, in cost to consumers, because it's the only way they're going to move twice as often. It's just a more big picture. Yeah, macro no, question. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you know. Hopefully, 
whatever percentage point that thirty thousand dollars represents, right. they're going to be trying to squeeze that down. So it's right. it's, it's it, now where they get that from, you know, who knows? What I, all I'm saying is is it, you know, there's two ways of 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 affecting those numbers. That's increasing. You know, revenue or you know, decreasing costs, right? So right, right. If there's more of the pie to to get from, that's less of a percentage of that, right? But and then right. the, nobody's writing a hard check. Well, you know, hopefully not for thirty grand. It's coming right. out of some equity and some other things that you know are going to. But everybody, every homeowner has to make that call there to do right. that. But um, what what I think is is this is actually a little bit hopeful because what could happen is that these costs get cut in half. Right, mm-hmm. but we have twice as many transactions, so the end result is we still have sixty to eighty billion dollars flowing through the brokerage industry. It's just, you know, spread out over ten million home sales instead of five million. Yeah, right. How does that change the industry? So let's just theorize, because you and I are experts in the industry. If we have ten million homes sold, so twenty million transaction sides, but each transaction is only half of what it was before. How does that change the industry? Does that mean we get to like NAR three million? Like, right? Know? Yeah. <laughs> how does that change the transaction? The, the industry? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that they talk about it depends on what those extra. You're you're saying going five to ten, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just say double, but at half the commission, right? Right. Well, you know, there's, you know, it's it's a difficult question because I, I could give an argument there'd be less realtors and I can give an argument there'd be right. more realtors, right? So, but there's going to be realtors involved, right? I mean, they're even saying in their slide presentation that they're really focusing on homes between a certain price range. Right. And there's a lot of homes that are not in that price range, right? right. So those are still going to be have to be serviced traditionally and so, or, or maybe there's another model that comes out that kind of helps those things out, right? But right. I tell you what, I'm... So perplexed about NAR's membership, right? Because typically <laughs> it would go up when yeah. unemployment went up. And yeah. we've had, you know, before COVID, the economy was booming yeah. and the NAR membership was booming, right? Yeah. Now we've got this kind of state of uh, the un- unemployment rate is like, you know, sky high. And again, <laughs> NAR's membership is actually growing. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I give up. <laughs> I give up trying to like guess what controls that number anymore, you know? Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you about that is I don't know which direction it goes either because I could say on the one hand, if we double the number of transactions, it's going to be the most productive agents yeah. who are all in these teams that are you know, well-run and they have all the transaction coordinators, they have all the staff and infrastructure and technology to, who can process more transactions, even at lower revenues, you know, sort of make it up in volume. They should capture the majority yeah. of that. On the other hand, it's like if we have just have double the number of transactions, maybe it'd be more of the part-timers and, the, and those you know, three deals a year people Who'll just pick up more of those? Like I, I don't know how that plays. I don't know how that. And didn't they have it. a slide? Was it as high as a third of the membership was part timers? Is that what they said? Twenty eight percent. Jesus! Wow. I've been, I mean, I, I wrote I, a I, post I, about that too. I, I guess I knew that number, but you know, it's still shocking to kind of hear, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and their numbers don't really add up. But one of the most shocking things was they said four um, percent of the agent population does fifty plus transactions a year. Okay. And I was like, so I actually like looked at the, I just, just sort of ran the numbers, right? And just like did a thought experiment. 
So that's 80,000 licensees, because I'm almost positive they didn't use NAR member, although they used the word realtor. I think they yeah. used the 2 million licensees number. So I said, okay, what happens if that number gets taken to 6%? 6%, that's 120,000 agents doing 50 plus transactions. If we say they only do 50, that's 6 million transactions. 6 yeah. million transaction sites. Boom. That's <laughs> half. Yeah. And I'm like, 6% of agents could do half of today's transaction volume. So we're not talking about doubling transactions. If there are only you know, 10 million, 11 million uh, transaction sites, that's half. That's more than half. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating thought because, you know, I mean, we know, for example, MLS execs are a big part of our listening audience. Like, how does the MLS change if we double the number of transactions, but it's at half the commission income? Right. Well, here's the thing. The beautiful part is, is that, yeah. you know, if you ask any MLS exec, I mean, to look at their their roster of, because let me just, you know, just start with the fact it's a boon for MLSs. Okay. And I'll tell okay. you why. They okay. already know that look at their member uh, roster and they look at the number of transactions. A vast majority of those of their members have only done one or two transactions for the entire year. Right. That's right. But they're still paying. That's okay. Right. <laughs> so, you could get into a situation where the MLS membership, if it doubles, they're going to get in twice as much revenue, right? But as far as the right. workload, it's not going to increase that much, really, except that you know, you've know you got more part-timers or, or more people that, that are having trouble because they, they haven't done as many transactions, right? But I mean- Yeah. Um, On the flip side though, Greg, so here's the thing. Right you know, now- it's so many, why, it's so many. I think this is why we have a podcast because it's like everything you say. Everything I say is like, too well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're right. But here's the interesting thing: like right now, if I'm a part-time, you know, soccer mom, and I do one transaction, I make thirteen thousand dollars. That pays for my all of my MLS fees and association dues and everything, and still there's a little left over. If commissions are cut in half, but there's twice as many transactions. Now maybe I'm only making seven thousand, and post split it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to drop off. I don't know. Maybe, don't know. but again, if you're doing twice as many transactions, maybe she's doing two transactions, and she's still the same. Exactly right. But yeah. is that person the you know the part timer? Are they looking yeah. to do more transactions? Or I, I think I this know. is like one of the first podcasts. <laughs> if you're if, if if we're coming out with the with the outcome that MLS membership is going to double, I'm feeling great right now. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, shit. If if NAR goes to you know two and a half million realtors, go, like maybe. yeah, go go yeah. right. Yeah. No, it's great for you. It's uh, probably good for me. I'm not entirely sure. It's just this giant unknown, right? But yeah. it is fascinating to think about as, you know, both Open Door and Zillow are now, you know, 100% in the whole market maker game. And to me, it's like all of those industry wise guys and pundits who are like, I buying is a fad and they're losing money on every deal and this is a joke and it's only for like this tiny fraction and who wants to leave that much money on the table? I feel like this move pretty much should kill that whole, you know, thing off. Hopefully, and hopefully people realize that both Open Door and Zillow this market maker thing is legitimate and these guys are not they're not we buy ugly houses. Hopefully that has right. not sunk in, right? So now the next phase of all of this is okay, as these two giant, you know, whales start competing, I feel like it is going to have this double interesting double consequence. On the one hand, 
hopefully we see mobility increase. So we go from five and a half million transactions to maybe six million, and then to six and a half million to seven million, but at lower cost to the consumer, which means lower revenues for the industry. How does that play out, right, industry wide? I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch over the next few years, and I'm I'm kind of sure. excited about it. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it, and hopefully it means you know. Dubinar Studios, <laughs> you've doubled your revenues, and you know, <laughs> and then I'm helping you go public. I mean, that'll be fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what I love about this is that, and and this is kind of something a, a drum I've been banging lately with the release of my book is that I think you know all these models coming out that everybody, you know, all the Zillow haters and the open eye buying haters, mm-hmm. and this is a great time to be an agent. I think. I mean, that mm-hmm. might saying counterintuitive to everybody, but there's so much change going on. And every time I see these models come out and as they mature, there's always room for an agent to participate if they can let go of the fear, right? And participate, right? Yeah. Get in the tent. Yeah. You know, just yelling outside, you know, just ranting outside the tent is not a way to go. Get in there, talk to them, and see how they can be another tool in your toolbox. They yeah. can be. I think about, you know, Getting started in this business now, I think there's that's there's a great opportunity right now. There's so so much change going on, and with change, like we always say, is opportunity. You just yeah. got to drop that fear and and get into it and go right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Zillow has as a an agent model that's been tried and true. Open Door has been exploring that more. I wish they taught. I wish one thing I do wish that Open Door would have done on their investor call was really talk more about. The fact that you know they they are upping their kind of age agent inclusion in 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 their model, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I can appreciate why they they kind of you know probably push that down on the presentation because they were really talking about like, really why why do you think they did? Because that was actually one of the things I noticed, and I was I have I have my theory, but why yeah, do you think I, they did? Well, because they're selling flying cars, right? I mean, that's in a, you, you know <laughs> metaphorically, yeah. it's like they they, they want to sell this push of a button. Right, yeah. this push of a button, right? Yes, that can happen, but you know, sometimes there's a lot of people behind that button, right? But they don't want. I don't think they want to complicate the message they're giving by disclosing too much of of what happens actually behind that, right? Hmm. You know, it's they want to make it sexy, and it does. If if you start bringing into like, and and we all know it's still full of like, there's still going to be. In a mortgage transaction, people, there's still going to be all this thing. They want to kind of this vision of like all that becomes seamless because they're taking care of it. Why, why get into the details of all that when they can just talk about the sexiness of just pushing a button? Okay. That's why. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're running an hour here. Should we? Yeah, man. Yeah, I guess we are going to get long. So uh, let's wrap this up. I don't know if we've learned anything. I don't know if we've decided anything <laughs> or if it's just a lot of, you know, on the one hand this, on the other hand that, you know? Nasal gaving. N- navel gazing? <laughs> <laughs> Nasal gaving works too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So let's try. Um, what is your big takeaway then from our conversation? I am totally excited about seeing what kind of innovation comes from the great battle of Open Door versus Zillow. I mean, it's it's going to be epic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be – I think everybody wins. I think the industry wins. I think consumers win. I think agents win. Yeah. That might be counterintuitive what people think, but um, I think so. I think, I think humans are always going to be involved, and I think yep. agents and brokers are going to find their way to kind of fit into these 
uh, these new models that kind of present themselves. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm also excited because I think there's going to be a lot more sort of M&A activity just as uh, Open Door wants to try and kind of come up to par. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of knock-on effects from this. Um, and with the you know months and years ahead, I think will show us that. I would like to encourage Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage to get into the space as well because three competitors, right, working to kind of see right. who's going to win would be even better for consumers, for everybody. Uh, so I don't know, Rocket Mortgage, if you're listening, there's probably no chance you are, but get in the game. The water's, the water's warm. Get in the pool. Yeah. Well, you know, there's other, there's dark horses like uh, Offer, Offer Pad, right? Sure. Um, so there's other players in the space too sure. that, um, you know, and again, the market is so huge. You don't even need to be, you could just, and I think Zillow was saying all they needed was like three or 4% and they sure. were like a billion dollar or $3 billion in revenue or something. It's just yeah. something ridiculous, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's how big the market is. Yeah. So with that, congrats to Open Door. Congrats to uh, Social Capital. Uh, welcome Chamath P, an actual legitimate you know, tech superstar to the real estate industry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to hear you one day on Inman stage or whatever. You know? Oh, right. How about it? Yeah. Or sure. maybe come on our podcast. You know, let's have a conversation. Yeah, please. That would be awesome. <laughs> we promise to be able to pronounce your name by that time. By that Sorry. time. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, listen, for all of our listeners, thank you all very much for your time and attention today. I know we went long, but yeah. You know. All right. Good hearing your voice, man. Indeed. Take care of yourself. All right. Take Bye. it easy, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone. again. And just one thing I want to say to our listeners, please go to your Apple podcast or wherever you hear this podcast from and give us a good rating, like five stars. Write a review. I've been reading some of the reviews and they've been great, and but they always help. So please go to the podcast and uh, a player of your choice and, and, and leave that review and rating. Thanks a lot, guys. 